0: We'll be looking at three different passages here in the book of Acts as we study the life of this man by the name of Barnabas. Acts chapter 4 uh, verse number 36 and verse 37 and I want to assure you this morning that it will be a rather quick message quicker than usual. Um, Brother John and I will be flying out at 12:30 out of Harlingen so we're going to have to leave pretty quickly here uh, after this service so we're going to try to get this message in in a way that hopefully will be a blessing and an encouragement to you, but also uh, in a fashion that is short, okay? So uh, hopefully it'll be a blessing though this morning. Acts chapter number 4, and we're going to read verses 36 and 37. Then we're going to go to Acts chapter 9, 26 and 27, and then we're going to go to Acts chapter number 13, all right? So those will be the three passages, and we'll continue our series on sowing And reaping, all right, sowing and reaping and seeing what God can do with a life that sows uh, to uh, the spirit and sows those things that are spiritual, those things that are eternal and the fruit that we can bear as we do such things. So Acts chapter number four, verse 36 and 37 says, and Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation a levite and of the country of Cyprus having land sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now look at Acts chapter number 9, Acts chapter number 9 verse 26 and 27. It says and when Saul was come to Jerusalem he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles And declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Then I want you to notice Acts chapter 13. Acts 13 and verse number 13. It says, Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your word and uh, just the truth that we find in your word. I pray this morning as we get into this message, Father, that your spirit would speak to us this morning. I pray that we would not only have uh, ears of understanding to understand what your word says, but that we would have lives that would apply the truth of your word in it, and that we would live it out in our daily life, That we would be able to be a light and a testimony for you that we could be a witness as to the transformation that you can bring into our lives. I pray this morning that you would use me. I pray that your spirit would fill me, hide me behind thy cross. And uh, may I communicate this message that was given, Father, with clarity. Help me to do it passionately. But, Father, uh, that it would be a blessing uh, to those that are here this morning. And I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Jackie Robinson was the first African-American to play baseball in the major leagues. Perhaps it's a name you've heard before. It's a very famous name. In fact... One day out of the year during the baseball season, every team will wear the number 42, which was Jackie Robinson's number, in honor of uh, Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier there in Major League Baseball. For those who are a little bit younger and perhaps don't know a little bit of the history of Major League Baseball, there was a time where African-American players were not allowed to play in the Major Leagues. And so they had their own league that they played in, uh, but then the Major Leagues was only uh, for those that were white-skinned people, and uh, Jackie Robinson was the first one to cross that sort of color barrier in Major League Baseball, and of course, understandably slow as he did that, uh, everywhere he went, every stadium he uh, visited, he was often mocked and made fun of and jeered at and and thrown things at because uh, there were people that did not appreciate that he was there in the Major Leagues, that he was breaking that color barrier, if you will, and there's one specific game uh, when he was in his home field at Ebbets Field there in Brooke, Brooklyn, New York, where uh, a baseball was hit to him there during the game, and, and he committed an error and didn't field the ball cleanly, and, and, the, and the batter reached first base safely. And upon that happening... The whole crowd just erupted and, and began to make fun of him, began to mock him and jeer at him uh, because he had made that mistake and, and It seemed like he says in his wor- in his own words that it was a very lonely place there on that baseball field and, and he was there he was a second baseman, and he was standing on second base and About that time when everybody was sort of doing what they were doing and and making fun of him and and, and just trying to uh, jeer at him, if you will, then uh, Pee Wee uh, Reese, the shortstop there, his teammate uh, for the Brooklyn Dodgers, decided to call time and walked over to where Jackie Robinson was at. And he stood next to him, and he put his arm around him, and he faced the crowd. He simply just stood with him as all the people mocked and laughed at him, as all the people were cussing at him and and telling him how much of a failure he was, Pee Wee Reese just simply stood next to him, put his arm around him, and stood there. Jackie Robinson would later say that that moment in his career changed his entire life. Just knowing that there was someone there that was going to stand with him. You know, every one of us in life are going to have moments where we're just going to need a Pee Wee Reese to come and stand next to us. That that person that's going to encourage us. You know, uh, encouragement is such a powerful thing. What I want to talk to you about this morning is sowing a life of encouragement. We we learned last week that sowing a, a life of love can reap great rewards in your spiritual life. But it's also important to understand that we must sow the seed of encouragement in our lives if we're going to impact and help others. Let me ask you something. Have you ever been in a situation where you just needed to be a little bit encouraged? Can you think of a time where... You were getting close to quitting, maybe it was on your basketball team, maybe it was on uh, your, your sports team there at school, and you just felt like, I'm ready to quit, I'm done. And suddenly somebody just came over to where you were at and sort of just encouraged you. Just let you know, hey, you're, you're going to make it, it's going to be okay. You ever been in that situation? You ever been a, a college student and say, I'm never going to get through this semester? I'm just not going to make it, school's just too hard. Or maybe as a high school student, you're going, am I ever going to graduate? And somebody just comes, maybe a teacher or a parent, and just encouraged you. Um, Elijah's at a time, my son, he's three years old, but he loves, for some reason, Michael Jordan. And uh, we watch Michael Jordan films all the time. I have three different uh, videos on, uh, on iTunes of Michael Jordan. He just loves watching Michael Jordan. Now, I'm a Michael Jordan fan, but I, I didn't try to convince him uh, that, uh, that uh, watching these, uh, these videos is going to make him better. He, just, he really has a knack for sports, and he likes to do that. The only thing I taught him was that Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. And, uh, and so anytime you ask him that, he'll let you know it's Michael Jordan. But it's an interesting story. As you, as you follow Michael Jordan's career, he, he, in almost every one of his films, will share a story of his sophomore year in high school when he was cut. That means he did not make it on the basketball team. The coach did not choose him to be part of the basketball team. Can you, can you just imagine that? Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time, as a sophomore in high school, could not make the basketball team. And he, he shares how that day he went to his room and just began to cry and cry and got under his bed he said he felt so so ashamed he just felt like I can't believe it life's just not going to be the same and he says and then my mom walked in and my mom began to talk to me and she says you know Michael you should you should use what this situation this circumstance you should use this as motivation to get better Use this as a motivation to prove to your coach, to prove to your teammates that you belong on that team, that you are good enough to play this game. Michael Jordan says that after that, he came out from under his bed and, and, and stopped crying and began to work on his game. And of course, the rest is history as the greatest basketball player of all time. He went to six championships and never lost one. He had six MVPs, he had five league MVPs, all because there was a mother they came into his room and gave him some encouragement. Now, if there was ever a person like that in the Bible, it was this man by the name of Barnabas. His real name was Joseph, but his, his nickname, if you will, uh, was Barnabas. And Barnabas means son of consolation. In other words, son of encouragement. He was, he was no, known as a man that just encouraged people. Uh, he was not really known for, if you read and he, you only find his name really in the book of Acts and some of his stories. But he's not really known for these incredible accomplishments as a missionary. He wasn't uh, someone like Paul that that, uh, did some great things on the mission field. Uh, He wasn't someone that was known for his bold preaching like Peter. He never experienced preaching and having 3,000 people get saved in one day like Peter. But let me just say, if it wasn't for Barnabas, we may not have the New Testament like we have it. You see, in Acts chapter 9 that we read a moment ago, it was Barnabas that went and told the disciples, hey, this guy Saul, who later was named Paul, he says this guy got saved. He's really changed. He, He took the chance. Saul was a persecutor of the church. Saul was killing Christians before he was converted. And Barnabas saw him, saw the changed life, and went and spoke for him and brought him. I mean, without Barnabas, we might have missed much of the New Testament writings that Paul later wrote in his life. All because Barnabas decided that he was going to be an encourager. All because Barnabas decided, you know what, I'm going to sow in my life that seed of encouragement. I want you to know this morning that we can encourage others by pain, saying, and staying. I like what William Arthur Ward said. He said, flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me, and I may not like you. Ignore me, and I may not forgive you. But encourage me, and I will not forget you. You know, William Ward discovered something about encouragement. He found that encouragement is such an important thing when you're trying to help someone else to impact their lives, to to have a, a true difference and make a true difference in the lives of others. And Barnabas was what, that kind of person. He was one that was going uh, to plant the seed of encouragement in his life. And he did it in three ways. He did it by pain, saying, and staying. That should be easy to remember. Pain, saying, and staying. And I want you to, to notice this morning how he did that in those three ways. Number one, in pain. In pain. We find in Acts chapter number 4, You can read it there again in verse 36 and 37. It says that Barnabas had land and he sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. You know that one way that we can encourage others is by a financial means, by paying. All right? Barnabas was one that was willing to give of what he had to be an encouragement to others. You can read all of Acts chapter 4. You'll notice that there was no mention there of an offering having to be made. It never says there that the church of Jerusalem was having a big building project and said, Barnabas, if you could, would you sell that land and then just give us the money and donate to this building project? It wasn't like that at all. They didn't have a big project to say, hey, Barnabas, if you will, could you, could you do us a favor and just uh, give us the money that you've got because we, we really want to reach others here in Jerusalem, and, and if you sell your land, we can do that. Barnabas was never told by anyone to sell his land and give the the money to the church it was something that came uh, out of him it was something that he just wanted to do to be an encouragement to others you see when you pay when you give of that financial means that God has given you it reminds others of the eternal values that can be found when we give do you know that uh, when we give, it, it's not because God is so poor, the church is so poor, that we're just not going to make it if you don't give. That's not why anyone gives, and it shouldn't be the reason for why you give. If you are giving because you feel like you have to give, let me just say, you do not have to give. The Bible does not say you have to give. The Bible says that you get to give. Do you know that giving is an opportunity? It's an investment Giving is the only thing that can make something temporal like money turn into something eternal. You see, when you give in your life, you encourage others about eternal values. Jesus said it himself in Matthew chapter 6, 19 and 20 he says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. Jesus was saying, get that, that, that temporal thing of money and begin to invest it in the eternal riches of heaven. You see, you encourage people when you give because it reminds us, hey, there's something eternal in this life. I I may not be able to take my car and my house, and I may not be able to take my bank account, but let me just tell you something. I can sure send it on ahead of me. I can make sure that when I get to my eternal destination, there's money in that bank account, and there's a nice house there waiting for me. You see, uh, this of giving is an investment. It's an opportunity. And it's an opportunity that only comes by once. You know that we're not going to get to live 150 lives over and over and over and over like some would might teach or others believe. Some Religions believe that we're just sort of going to get reincarnated and just come and live again and live again and live again. But you know the Bible says it is appointed unto men once to die and after this to judgment. There's just one time when you can convert that temporary thing into something eternal. There's just one time that you can invest in eternal values and that is now. Barnabas understood this. Barnabas understood I can encourage others by, seeing, by helping them see the eternal value in giving. But you know what else giving does when it encourages people? Not only the eternal values but it reminds and, and it reveals what's in our heart. You say it reveals what is in our heart. When we give to others I mean, when we give, others are able to see what is truly in our heart. They're able to see that generosity. They're able to see the sincereness that is there in your heart. In fact, uh, in Matthew chapter 6, the next verse, after Jesus talks about eternal values and investing in eternity, He says this. He makes this statement in verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You see, when you're paying to encourage others you're really revealing to others what's in your heart barnabas was one that was going to plant that seed of encouragement by saying i'm just going to give what i can you know i I think it's also a a wonderful blessing when others there in the church and here see needs and and try to give to it recently with hurricane harvey when it hit houston Those here in our church decided, you know what? We want to be an encouragement. And you know what we did? We came and we gave money and we donated and we bought uh, supplies for them and we took them all the way up there to Katy, Texas to, to be an encouragement. You see, when you pay, it reveals the heart that you have for people. Barnabas was one that said, I I don't have to give this. I don't have to sell my land. I can can have my land. I can live off of it. I can can sort of enjoy life for myself. But he wasn't going to do that. He decided not to plant the seed in his life of self-pleasure. You see, he understood this. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The principle of sowing and reaping was something that Barnabas understood so much that he says, you know what, if I'm going to reap what I sow, I hope I sow the right kind of seeds in my life. And He decided to start sowing in encouragement. He did that by pain, but secondly, he did that by saying, by what he said. I like what Stephen Covey said. He said, treat a man as he is, and he will remain as he is. Treat a man as he can and should be, and he will become as he can and should be. You know, what you say can be an encouragement to others. Remember when I was younger, and maybe you've heard this saying, uh, but when I was younger, uh, they used to say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know that's so untrue. That's, That's not true at all. Do you know that your words can really hurt someone? Do you know that the right kind of words can be uplifting? I like what Proverbs uh, chapter 25 verse 11 says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. The Bible has lots to say about what we talk about, how we talk with one another. You see, what you say is important. It does matter. You know, words have a profound effect around others. They can tear a spirit down or they can lift a discouraged spirit up. I don't know if you've notice but you go to any high school games and they have what they call cheerleaders and the whole purpose of this cheerleading squad is to try to get the crowd excited for their team and i noticed that they don't uh just do this silently they have cheers they have words and things that they try to uh, convey to the people to get their spirits lifted up. And sometimes they start chanting the team name or the school's, uh, you know, um, the school letters. You know, I remember at the school I grew up at, and they, they would start cheering, V C S, V C S, and, and it just, words mean something. Words matter. I want you to notice that in Acts chapter 9, Barnabas is there going to the disciples and he's, he's speaking on the behalf Saul, and he's saying, listen, uh, I got I to gotta be honest with you guys. And Barnabas, by the way, was an apostle himself. You can see that in Galatians chapter 2. As an apostle himself, he went and took the risk and said, listen, uh, I just want you to know, Peter, hey, John, James, I just want you to know that this, this guy right here, he's a real deal. I know there was a time in his life where he was coming and persecuting and killing Christians, but that's not him anymore. He's changed. I mean, I've seen it. I've talked to him. I've been with him. This man is different. He just sought to be an encouragement to Saul. He wasn't going to say, well, you know, uh, well, let's just let Saul see, see who he hangs out with. Let's see where he sits in church. Let's see where, what bench he's going to be at, and then maybe I'll be his friend. No. Barnabas wasn't just going to let Paul go by himself and see what happens. No, he was one that was going to go and encourage he was going to go and try to uplift him with his words and say, hey, Saul, you know, God can do something great with you. Hey, Saul, there's a reason that God uh, uh, blinded you on that road to Damascus. You know, God has something big for you, Saul. You know, I believe there's some people here in this church. I think there's some young teenagers, and I think there's maybe some young couples that just need to hear somebody say, hey, you know what? God can do something great with you. You know, God's got something great for your family. Just, just, just hey, God's going to help you make it through. We find that Barnabas was that kind of member, if you will. He was that kind of Christian that was just going to be an encourager. He was going to give those words that were uplifting. By the way, words are not only uplifting, they're strengthening. Do you remember uh, there in the Old Testament when King Saul was after David? Man, David had some really dark days. There were times when David thought, I'm never going to make it. I know God has promised me to be king, but, but I don't think I can make it. I know God has said this, but I just don't, I don't know that I can make it. And by the way, uh, before we, 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 we judge uh, David and say, oh, come on, David, God had already told you. You'd already been anointed. You knew you were going to be king. If God said it, he'll do it. But before we judge too hastily, how about the promises that God's made you and me? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. But the promise that God says, I will strengthen you. I will hold you by my right hand. And so many times we quit on God even though God has promised us the same. But there was a time when David felt like he was going to give up. And I believe this is in your notes, but there in 1 Samuel 23, it says, And Jonathan's, uh, in Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And how did he strengthen him? Verse 17, And he said unto him, Fear not. For the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee, and that also Saul, my father, knoweth. You know how Jonathan encouraged David? He said to him. He gave him some encouraging words. Later on, years later, you see Barnabas doing the same thing. What is he doing, Pastor? He's planting the seed of encouragement in his life. He said, I, I don't just want to encourage by what I'm giving and paying. I want to encourage by what I'm saying. I, I want to use words that uplift. I want to use words that encourage. You'll notice that in your bulletin this morning, there's a, a postcard, and there should have been a postcard there. The reason I included that is because I want to take time, maybe later on in this service, take time right now in this morning to just write somebody and say, hey. I just want to encourage you. Hey, you're going to make it. I want to encourage you. God's not done with you. God's not through with you. I promise you, if you do that, you can begin to plant that seed of encouragement in the life of others. By the way, if you put a name and an address to that and you turn it in to the information center, I'll be sure to put a stamp and mail it out this week. It's a free way just to plant the seed of encouragement in your life. Later on in this service, I'll I'll give you time to do that. To be an encourager like Barnabas. See, you can encourage by pain. You can encourage by saying. But thirdly, you can encourage by staying. You encourage by staying. There in Acts chapter 13, you'll find that it was the chapter where Luke begins to tell the story of how the Holy Spirit called out Saul and Barnabas for the a work of the ministry and to go and plant churches and to be missionaries out of the church of Antioch. And it tells the story of how Barnabas, his, his uh, nephew, a cousin, depending on what commentator you, uh, you read, but uh, he brought John Mark, a family member, with him. And it was Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark. And they're going down to Cyprus, and then they were going to go to different cities there in in that uh, Middle Eastern area of the world. And when things started to get a little bit tougher, there in verse 13 it says John, that's John Mark, departed and went back to Jerusalem. But not Barnabas. When things got a little bit difficult, we find that though there were some that were going back to Jerusalem, there was also... Others that stayed like Paul and Barnabas. They decided they were just going to stay because their calling was worth it. And let me just say that the Bible says that you and I, if we are Christians, we have a calling, and that is to stay. You know what staying does? You know how it encourages other people? Because it shows the commitment that you have. The commitment that you have. You see, as you continue in life, it is encouraging to see others continuing When we stay, it shows others that it can be done. Yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, it's sometimes difficult, but it can be done. When others see that you will stay committed, it it encourages them to also stay committed. Barnabas wasn't one to just say, well, I'm going to pay and hopefully that's enough. He didn't say, well, I'm just going to give uplifting words and encourage people with what I write to them and what I say to them. Barnabas was one that says, you know what, I'm going to do something as well. Man, I'm not the most talented preacher out there. I I, I can't preach like Peter. And and maybe I don't have a lot of the talents that Paul has, and maybe I'm not as educated and smart as Paul is, but you know what, I can be committed. I guarantee you that did more for Paul than than many other things, than, than a large offering would have made. Haven't you ever found that when somebody's with you doing something, you have a little bit more energy about it? Haven't you found that when you're you're not alone, there's just a little bit more of excitement and more can be done? Barnabas was one that just said, Paul, hey, I know some of them are leaving, and I know even my own family is going back to Jerusalem, but I'm staying here with you. I'm staying committed. Man, I'm going to encourage you. Just by staying here. Paul later, when he was writing to the Philippians, said, I have no man. No man stood by me, save Jesus Christ. There was times when Paul understood what it meant to be alone, but he also understood that there was times when somebody's there with you that just encourages you to, to keep going. Barnabas was that, that friend there that Paul needed on that first missionary journey just to keep going. He was one that wanted to encourage others you see staying shows our commitment Hebrews 13 5 says let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have for he has said God I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper I will not fear what man shall do unto me that helper that person that is there We find that when you stay it shows commitment but you know when you stay it also shows faith Staying also encourages others because it displays faith in your life. When our faith is genuine, it produces in us works that will encourage others to either keep going or the lack of faith in our life will discourage uh, others from continuing. Now I tell our young people all the time, whether you realize it or not, people are watching. Whether you realize it or not, people at work are watching you. They're seeing if there's something different. They're seeing if you're really genuine. They're seeing if there's real faith in your life. You know, religion teaches you if you just have good enough works, then God will accept you. And they try to use their works as something that will bring faith into their life, and that's never genuine, it's never real, and it never lasts. But real faith does bring about genuine works. Faith does produce works in our life. We find that Barnabas was one that said, listen, I, I just want to do something. I'll just stay here with you. I want to encourage you that way. It just showed a lot about what faith and what kind of faith Barnabas had. James 2.17 says, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. James understood, if I'm going to encourage someone, i got to do something. I got to pay what I can. I got to get what I can. But you know, I got to say what I can say. I got I to be encouraging with my words, but then I just got to be encouraging with my presence here, with doing something. Man, if, if doing is just staying here and being a help, I'm going to do it. You know, Sunday school teachers, it's an encouragement every time you show up on Sunday to teach your class. Those little kids get encouraged. Those teenagers get encouraged. Those adults get encouraged. Just being faithful in your service is encouraging. It's amazing how encouraging it is when you pull onto our property and the grass is cut nice. It's encouraging when you invite a visitor and they walk in and the rooms are just right and all the lights are working. You know, it took somebody to to do that, to install the lights. It took somebody to paint the walls it took somebody to cut the yard yeah maybe not everyone can come up and sing on the choir not everybody can play an instrument like those in the orchestra but some can just stay faithful and say the little that i can do i want to do it i thank god for those that are in our orchestra don't you our music's awesome it's encouraging you come to to church in the morning and you get to sing some songs that are just wonderful and your heart gets gets melted with the. Uh, The emotion of just worshiping God. Being moved by the words of that music and the music itself. But it takes somebody to be here every Sunday and play that instrument. It takes somebody to to come and and be here and just sing. Barnabas said, man, I, I can't do a lot, but you know how I can encourage? I can just stay. I'm encouraged by the faithfulness of those that have come before us. 41 years. No, these walls didn't just miraculously appear by themselves. There were those that paid. There there were those that encouraged, Pastor, Pastor, just keep going. Pastor, we're behind you. Hey, if God be for us, who can be against us, Pastor? Pastor encouraging the people, hey, God can do it. I know we're, we, we don't have a lot of financial means, but if we just sacrifice, God will, God will make it happen. Encouraged by those that just stayed. Part of was one that was going to encourage. Paying, saying, and staying. Let me ask you something this morning. Do you know someone that needs some encouragement? You know someone that maybe you can plant that seed of encouragement in their life this week? There's someone at work that just needs you to say, hey, I'm praying for you. There's someone in your family that can can just hear you, maybe write them a letter and say, hey, you're going to make it. It's going to be okay. Just being an encouragement. I wonder if We were all to encourage someone this week. What do you think God can do with that? Do you think that maybe God can transform a life by you being an encouragement? Do you think that God might bring others here who've never heard the gospel story to be heard at least once in their life? If we can just be an encouragement, do you think that God can do something? you know, it's going to require sacrifice. It's going to require maybe a change of topic of what we always talk about. You know, it, it may take a change in where we go and what we do. But I would venture to say, wouldn't it be worth it? Would it be worth it? To plant the seed of encouragement? Man, I sure believe it would be. I believe it would be worth it for your home, for your kids. Teenagers, it will make your high school experience so much better. College students, it would make it worth your while. I believe you'd hear God's calling a little clearer. I believe you would feel God's power a little stronger. If you just simply decided today, I'm going to plant the seed of encouragement. The Duke of uh, Wellington was the British military leader who defeated Napoleon Bonaparte there at Waterloo, and those that served under him said that he was not a a man that was um, easy to serve under. He uh, He was a person that was brilliant as a military leader, but he was very demanding, he was He was one that really wouldn't shower any of his subordinates with any kind of praise. He was sort of one of those that was just sort of demanding. Yeah, he was brilliant, but he was just one of those leaders that uh, he was just not going to really uh, encourage you many ways. He was just going to tell you, this is what you have to do and do it. Near the end of his life, someone asked him, a young lady asked him if there would be anything If he could live his life over again, if he could do it all again, if there's anything that he would do differently. And here's what the Duke of Wellington, he said, he replied to her, if I could do it all over again, I'd give more praise. Can I encourage you to do this this morning? Don't wait till the end of your life like Duke Wellington and say, I wish I would have given more praise. Why not decide now? You know what? Now I'm going to start planting that seed of encouragement. Now is the time that I'm going to say what needs to be said. I'm going to do what needs to be done. I'm going to give all that I can. And if we do that this morning, God will begin to work in our midst and we'll be able to harvest a great harvest. We'll be able to reap unbelievably, if we just sow that seed this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, and thank you for the life of Barnabas, that though he perhaps doesn't have all the accolades that many of the other apostles do, yet he was a man that was such an encourager. He was a model and example to us this morning that we can impact others if we just simply decide to be an encouragement to others. I pray this morning that as we meditate upon our own life, as we think about our life, that your Holy Spirit would begin to search our hearts, search our actions and our motives to see, Father, if there be areas where we need to be more encouraging. Father, you would convict us this week if there be Someone here in in our life, someone at our workplace that can just have some encouragement, that needs encouragement, that we would be the one to go and be encouraging to them. Well, Father, I pray that this week we would s- plant that seed of encouragement. This morning, perhaps you are here and you saying, Pastor, after seeing what Barnabas did with his life, I... Feel like I can relate to that. I, I'm, I'm probably not the most talented person in here, and I'm probably perhaps not not the, uh, the person that has all the abilities, but you know something I've realized this morning is that I can be an encourager. And if you just pray for me, I want to be an encourager this week. I want to plant that seed in my life. Would you just pray for me? If that's your prayer request, would you just raise your hand? This morning, I just want to pray for you. I, I see those hands. God bless you. Anyone else, I see those hands. God bless you. Amen. Amen, I see those hands. Father, this morning, I saw hands, but you saw the hearts. And Father, we simply just want to see your power in our lives. Father, we... We confess that we we don't need to see our name on some plaque and we don't really need to have the applause of the crowd this morning. We just simply want to be an encouragement to someone. We just simply want to hear those words one day, well done thou good and faithful servant. About what we have done, but what we were able to do through with your power, what you allowed us to do. I pray that you would give us the words to say to be an encouragement, give us the power that we need, and that we would encourage others today, others this week that need to have just a little bit of those kind of words and gifts and faithfulness from our lives. Use us, I pray, this week. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Man, thank you, Pastor Jeremy. Um, usually we stand here, but I'm going to just hold off on that just for one second. I'm going to stay at the piano. Uh, just a wonderful message this morning uh, encouraged me and, of course, encouraging us to encourage.